Hello, residents of Meepletown. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today is a potentially shorter episode where we just talk about some games we've been playing lately and review Septima. So thanks for joining us as we seek to build community through board gaming. This is episode 157. Residents of Meepletown, I don't know about you, but this is the saddest time of year for me. Dane, do you know why this is the saddest time of year? Christmas decorations are down? Yes, this weekend we took down the Christmas decorations. We had our 12 days of Christmas, which were glorious. And then come Saturday, the decorations came down. And now there is nothing left but the bleakness of winter. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I really really just dislike this cold gray time of year without any lights or red and green or anything else joyful to look at around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I get that. I am not there yet because we haven't taken down our Christmas stuff. (sighs) I've been, yeah, yeah. And (laughs) here's the thing. I I normally get really sad the day we take down Christmas decorations. But the last couple of years I've been fine. It's been, it's been okay. But for today, so I've been out of town for work and then came back yesterday Today is Monday that we're recording on. All the family is gone. It's just me and the dog, and I'm probably going to be putting away Christmas decorations on my own. Mm. So that'd be hard to do. I'm not sure I could do that by myself. I need someone else like Cindy to to motivate me <laughs> to get the yeah. ball rolling. Well, I, part of it is my wife's going to be gone this weekend, and so uh, we can't wait to the weekend to do it. We've got to do it during the week, and I, so part of me is thinking, yeah, I think it's okay, but... I've got bigger fish going frying in the pan right now with the Michigan in the national championship game. And so my mind's occupied by that. So even if the Christmas tree's down, I'm just going to be thinking about the game anyway. So I am very excited about that. Instead of listening to to Christmas music today, I'll be listening to Hail to the Victory (laughs) as I'm taking down the Christmas. (laughs) That'll be great. Yes, I am excited about the game. Uh, Residents, if you did not know, I too am a huge Michigan fan, though I am not from there like Dean is. But my thing is we're having a a game night with our students tonight. And the the game will be on. I'm going to try my best not to watch it. I've hardly watched them at all this year because I feel like every time I look at it, there's a fumble or there's interception. So I just try to ignore and not get stressed out because if I watch it, I'm going to want to put my foot through the television. I won't be able to do anything else. I'm going to ignore, but I'm going to be hopeful the whole time. So for the sake of all Michigan fans out there, we appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) I will be the last game, the, the game, the Rose bowl leading up to the championship game. No, no Mm -hmm. football talk. This isn't old, Johnny Meepletown, Meepletown. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, he would only talk about University of Tennessee and nobody wants to hear that trash. That's true. That's true. But the other game, I was, I was very stressed because it was also that and the, the Detroit Lions played the Cowboys and I'll say it, the Cowboys, well, the Cowboys didn't cheat. The refs cheated <laughs> and we lost the game. I'm saying it. I don't normally say that, but I will say that we lost because of cheating refs. Wow. But... All that was going on the same weekend as the Rose Bowl, and I thought, this is it. I might, my life is going to come to an end this weekend. It, it didn't. It didn't. But I felt that way. Isn't it funny, <laughs> just the, the emotions that sports can make someone feel 
it's just I don't like feeling that way anymore, which is why I by and large try to to not watch any kind of game that I care about because I don't <laughs> like how that makes me feel. That's why I stopped coaching in some ways. That's why I don't watch sports anymore. Just uh Ulster City, man. I'll pass. Yeah, yeah I I feel <laughs> the same way. I I yep. I don't get that way when I'm coaching, but I'm also not a great coach. And I don't coach a ton. Um so that's that's okay. But let me let me bring this in. We didn't have this in, in to talk about this, Darren. We're going to be talking about games, and this is about games. D- do board games ever make you feel that way? Do you feel like tense and your chest hurts or anything when you play board games? They really don't. You know, when I first started playing some games uh, back in the day, I was kind of worried, and I would avoid it sometimes because I don't like how that competitive spirit can kind of creep up, you know, but I really... I don't feel that, you know, any, anymore with, with board games or any, anything like that. It doesn't create that. I'm just happy to be there doing something. Hmm. Um, what about you? Do you feel that though? Uh, for the most part, no, I, but I like it in, in when I do feel that way. And it's not like a bad, mm. you know, tense feeling, but yeah. some games like uh, Nemesis where, you know, it gets really tense of what's going to happen. And, you know, I really don't want, or, or if you're playing like a, uh, Hidden role games tend to make me feel that way. Um, uh, what's the game? The Letters from Whitechapel is the most recent one that we played. And then um, the, uh, hit, I'm sorry, not hidden role, hidden movement games is what makes mm-hmm. me feel that way. So, uh, oh, and hidden role. Th- those games where people don't know things about you and you're trying to hide that from them. Those are games where I tend to feel very tense uh, in a good way, uh, I yeah. think. But at the same time, part of me would rather play the person who's not the one being hunted. But Sniper Sniper Elite was another one that really made me feel that way. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll concede a little bit of that. There is that kind of tenseness, you know, in in a good way when you're... I'll, yeah, I'm the same with you. I'm the same way. I would rather be the one hunting than the one who's being, one who's being hunted. You feel like so much depends on you and your secrecy or your ability to keep your traitorness secret, you know, if it's that kind of game as well. Um, yeah, no, I get that. But the games that I'm talking about today, especially the first one, isn't that way at all. <laughs> there's no, <laughs> there's no, well, maybe a little bit. Okay. I'm going to talk about, we're moving into games we've been playing lately, right? You're good with that? No more sappiness sure. about Christmas or anything? You're, you're past your, past all that? No, this was one of the things that, that actually made these decorations coming down that much brighter because we got to play okay. a lot of games here recently. So yeah, bring it on. What do you got? <laughs> All right. So I will talk about a roll and write game. I've been trying to play a lot of different roll and writes lately. This one came out in 2019 and it is Corinth. This is a uh, Days of Wonders kind of like... All these roll and rights, what am I saying right now? All these roll and rights are coming out all over the place, you know, a, a few years ago. And Days of Wonders, like, well, I guess we got to throw our hat into the into the ring. And so they came out with Corinth, which is a game designed by Sebastian uh, Ponchon, if I, I hope I said that right. And this is a very simple roll and write game, uh, dice drafting roll and write game, where you roll the dice, you put them in the slots based on their number value. Similar to Grand Austria Hotel, except it's not a specific value. It is you put the sixes in there, you put the ones in there at the top and the bottom, and then you kind of put the other ones uh, in their in their value from bottom to top, meaning not all the actions are necessarily going to be available every round. 
in fact, a lot of rounds, you don't have all the actions available. Basically, the top one is going to give you money. The bottom one's going to give you goats. Those are both resources that you're going to spend to do different things on. And then the other ones are basically giving you goods. And there's an option to move around a map and take the actions there as well. But you're trying to get the most points based on the different things that you're unlocking. You have these buildings that you can also pay for with your money and with your goats. And when you unlock those, some of that's in-game scoring. Some of it is things that will happen. Like uh, one of the buildings says that if I go to take this specific, uh, if I go to take goods as my action, then I can take an additional good along with that. And so it really is pretty simple. Um, there, but I, I don't think it's too simple. Some of the, some of the reviews I remember seeing, this is why I never really got this played. I saw some reviews that were like, it doesn't really have anything special about it. Like it's very straightforward and it is pretty straightforward, but that doesn't mean there's not options, uh, out there. You, you might want to go for goods, but if you're not going to unlock all the goods, then you're not going to get the points. And so you might think, well, I might focus on these goods and not these goods. And then instead of taking goods, I can go travel around the map and do things there, which give you different dice and points and all that. So I think those are interesting decisions, but it's not heavy. This is on the lighter end of all the roll and rights, I think. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I don't know if it's for everybody. If you've got a ton of games and and you know, you're trying to keep your collection small, I don't know if this one's worth adding, but I, I still think so. Uh, I guess it would be more of a play before you buy kind of situation, but I think it's fun. I think it's a good one. If you love rolling rights, this might be one that you consider. Yeah, I agree. This was one of the first rolling rights that, that we played um, when I was getting into the, into the hobby like this and Gunshot clever. I really like Corinth. I think it, it's fun. It's like you said, it's, it's fairly light, but it still has some interesting decisions. I think it's just a good, wholesome classic you know kind of rolling right game the goats crack me up uh, the, the mm-hmm. whole moving the, the steward around uh, if, I, if i'm remembering that terminology correctly that's right i think it's yep. fun yeah it's really good good pick yeah, or good, good play for, i should say yeah, i was like <laughs> i didn't pick anything i just played it but i picked it two plays so that made it a good pick i guess <laughs> that's corinth from days of wonder very cool. Yeah, another one that uh, one that I've been playing. I've been trying to get through a lot of the 2023 games here because I know we'll, here soon down the road we'll have a kind of top games of 2023. And I've been playing lots of those, but I've been playing lots of older games and stuff too. We've played lots of Skull King um, over the the holidays and lots of uh, some Frosthaven, of course. But what I want to talk about that we've mentioned in the past, I won't say too much about it, but it's one that I finally got a chance to play. This game is new to me, even though it's a 2019 game, and that's Ghost of Christmas. This is a trick-taking game by uh, Taki Shinzawa and uh, published by All Play. And the, the art's amazing. It's just a, a trick-taking game where you it's a follow-the-lead the suit kind of game, but you're playing cards into the past, present, or the future. There's, there's a, like puzzle boards in front of you, and you can play. You're going to play three cards around, and you can decide which one you want to play it into. But, you know, whatever the first suit that's played into the area, it's going to set whatever the lead suit is for that round. And once everyone plays their three cards, you start scoring tricks, starting with the past trick. And this was the thing that I thought would be really confusing for me, but I really enjoyed it because whoever wins in the past, actually what they played in the present then becomes the lead suit for that trick. And the same thing will go once you score that for, for the future. And so 
just the way that who leads what changes over the course of the game and playing into that, trying to figure out who's going to play what, just was real exciting. It's it's wild. Not as complicated as I thought it would be. Um, I, I really think that this could push um, ugly Christmas sweaters for me as kind of being my favorite Christmas card game. I know we had that conversation just a few weeks ago, you know, about who thought which one was more complicated. Uh, yeah, this one, this one is pretty straightforward once you've played around and I, I really, I really enjoy it. I think it's, um, it is a fun one. If you, if you like trick taking games, then, uh, yeah, ghost of Christmas is a, is a purchase for me, you know, mm. um, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to playing some more. I had really hoped to get this played with Steven over the break and it never happened. I'm really interested. He he really likes trick-taking games. He really likes card games in general. But I, I just I'm curious to how he would feel about this because the tricky part like you said is the wrapping your head around the the past present future of, you know, the the Trump that's going to be um available or yeah. what becomes Trump after those different cards are played. I I really think that's interesting. Yeah, and I feel like once you've like walked through one round of it, you get it, but then the more you play, the more you start seeing the the subtleties of when to play this. And oh, maybe I can short suit myself by putting this card in the future, so I can trump something in the past, and all that stuff kind of kind of opens up. And uh, the, for me, the only unfortunate thing is that it's just three to four players, and so that can mm. make it tricky, no pun intended, to to get played. But but yeah, if it's a winner, that yep. is Ghost of Christmas. Yeah, you know, John and I actually tried this at two just to like first sample it out. This was one of the last ones that we played before he abandoned us. But (laughs) (laughs) I, I, we still had fun playing it at two, even though you know it's not supposed to be played that way. It was just I don't remember. I think there was something that we did to change it up. Maybe add a dummy hand of just like putting a card out there. I Mm. can't remember exactly, but it was just to get a feel for the game before we actually, you know, it was a learning game. Yeah. You know, my learning game of that, I played by myself. I played three hands. And the funny thing was, I couldn't remember what was in the other people's hands. So it actually worked out pretty well. Nice. So you can solo it if you're stupid like me. (laughs) (laughs) If you are a goldfish. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, okay. Um, Since you introduced a Christmas game, I know you're sad about being beyond Christmas. Yeah, yeah. But I'll talk about a Christmas game, one that I we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, mainly because we recorded all of our other episodes before Christmas. It's been weeks since Darren and I have recorded, and even had a week last week where we didn't talk about Christmas games, I think. And so I got a play of, uh, when I say play, plays of Santa's Workshop 2nd Edition. I've actually played this a decent amount now, and you've heard me talk about Santa's Workshop until... The cows come home, as they say. But the second edition, I finally got to introduce it to my wife and her brother and his wife. And we we play Santa's Workshop every year. Every We get together and do we host Christmas at our place. And usually it's on Christmas Eve. This year it's on the day before Christmas Eve. But this is a staple where we have to play it. I think my brother-in-law is kind of worn out from it. But not this one, but just in general, because we do play it so much. But I'm not worn out from it. 
uh, in this one, the it's a worker placement game. You're putting your pieces, your your elves out there so that they can build toys and you're going to get points from those toys. Santa's going to come by every, in the advanced game, come by three times throughout the game, every three days. And he's going to inspect the toys. And if you built the most toys, you'll get more points. You get points from some other things as well. But that's that's the gist of it. Like There's some in-game scoring that you can get points for building up your board, that sort of thing. Now, the differences between this one and the other one, I won't go through all of them, but just kind of a general overview. One, the the, the production is totally different. The art on the, the art is completely overhauled. The um, meeples still have custom meeples like the other one, but they're different. The boards that you're playing on are a little bit different. You have a front side and a back side for the main board and your player boards because you have a standard and a, an advanced game. You have a Christmas tree where you're decorating to give you different resources from that, which I think is really interesting. It's a it's a new way of gaining resources, especially because in a two-player game, you you are blocked from, once you go to the workshop spaces to be able to like pay coal and get resources, then no one else can go to that spot. There's no classroom in this one. And so instead of going to the classroom to increase the uh, productivity of your elves, you can pay extra coal when you go to the workshops and you'll just be able to take the tokens and put them out onto your player board. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. I mentioned this when we played it. Um, oh, we played this. Uh, we we did uh, some play testing of this one and it had some differences. When we played it, there was a, uh, a different Christmas tree method. It was more cascading than it was just like, a, I'm going to put my ornament on there and get the resource on the ornament and on the board. I I think I prefer the new way better, honestly, the final production way. Um, and then all the other changes I'm a big fan of. I really like the, um, I like the, um, uh, what is it? The, oh, the uh, classroom thing. I like not going to the classroom. I like that you can build your toys as you go. You can go get the um, assembly tokens while you're going. And the way you get your assembly tokens is a little bit different and better. I think you don't get blocked out of the spot. So, Overall, the gameplay, I'm a big, big fan of the changes. You want to hear some negatives, though? Oh, there's negatives? There's some negatives. There are some negatives. Yep. Please, I'd, spill I'd, the tea. Okay, let me think. I, I don't think there's any negatives about the gameplay. All that was an improve. Uh, they were all improvements to the main game, as far as I'm concerned. I, I probably should have listened better to my family to hear what they had to say. <laughs> <laughs> they might Just they like might always... Have all that Dean thinks is all that matters. Well, I will say my wife, <laughs> she was like, ah, I don't want to learn new rules. Uh, but I think overall after she played it several times too. And I think she liked all the changes once she, you know, once she played through it. Ah, uh, there's some production stuff going on that I'm not a big fan of. Okay. Yeah. And it might be a lot, maybe not oh. a, maybe not a ton, but more than I had hoped for, I guess. So, one is it's in a smaller box, which I think is fine. I think that's okay. But the board's smaller. I don't like that. Hmm. I don't like that the board's smaller. Um, mainly, honestly, because of the score track around the board. That was the thing that that I didn't like as much. Um, I, I liked it better in the original one, that you could see it better and your pieces that were out there were also wooden there's cardboard score markers i'm going to upgrade this game by the way um i reached <laughs> i reached out to meeple source pretty much as soon as i opened up the box and i was like <laughs> hey can you 
can you do some stuff? And they were like, oh, thanks for bringing this game to our attention. But that's, you know, all I heard. Who knows if they're going to do it? But if they do, it's because of me. You're welcome, Meeple Town and World. Um, my, I had broken meeples, which happens, but I had several broken meeples. I glued those up. That's fine. I'm okay with that. One set of the elves, they're all supposed to be different because you need to be able to see which meeples are are going where because they all have different abilities as you're building up, you know, as you're making them smarter. And one of the sets, my silver set was completely the same, all of them. And so I reached out to the company about that because you do need replacements for those. Um, I, I like all the art on everything. I like that, um, the way the spaces look, but my family didn't love the look of the board in general, not the art on it, but they liked like that top down view of a workshop instead of like a side view. Each of the spaces wasn't like a room. It, it was a room, but it wasn't like the top down view of the room. They preferred that. I don't know if I cared either way. There are some things that were harder to see, like the coal mine was a little bit more difficult to see. Not a huge deal, but those were, for me, those were some big issues that I had. And there might be some other ones, but overall, this was a big hit. I didn't even mention the reindeer. I think the reindeer are better in this game. Uh, I would love to see more reindeer, new sets of reindeer um, in, in a future like mini expansion or something. I think that would be cool. But overall, big hit, obviously. But I'm going to hold on to the old game. How about that? I'm holding on to both of them. That was a lot. But it's for a game that you've heard me talk a lot about. And I'm very, I'm very passionate about this game. I love this game a lot. So I want it to be the best production possible. Uh, my silver meeples were the same way. They were all the exact same. And mm-hmm. so I, I still haven't reached out to them about that, but I, but I need to. And I didn't mind the border being smaller. I kind of liked that. I actually preferred the new score track. Um, I feel like we're doing a whole review here. Uh, I, there's, uh, but I, I'm with you. I do love the the like the new reindeer, the way you're set collecting there, and what they can do for you. How that works. The the Christmas tree ornaments for bonuses. The 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 way you can go and assemble tokens. Um, the the way you get the training. You know, I, I miss the thematics of the school classroom. You know, whatever where you learn to get trained. Just because it reminds me of Elf. The, the movie where he's sitting there in the classroom learning how to spread Christmas cheer by singing loud for all to hear. But, <laughs> but I do like what they've done mechanically. I didn't have the, some of the same production complaints as, as you or the broken meeples or anything like that. But, uh, but I get it. And uh, I like the cardboard tokens. I feel like that's fine. Um, yeah, it's a good one. I'll probably keep both. I probably won't play the old one. I just have a hard time letting things go because I still like the look of it. And, you know, but, but yeah, I think it's a great game. I think Keith did a great job and the developers did a great job. And um, I love what Elf Creek does. But yeah, I think they may have a few things to to fix on this one um, in the long yeah. run. Yeah. Now, the positive, I, I'll be real brief because I know I spend a lot of time. My other games I'm going to be much briefer on. But again, it's because I'm so passionate about this game. The, the wooden uh, and cloth and all those resources are cardboard bits. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to do cardboard bits... They did it right. It's cool. They're all they textured. Did. It's got wooden texture on the wood pieces, even though it's just cardboard. You have uh, the cloth pieces have like this little velvety feel to it, but not like, you know, the gross velvet feel like they talk about on Blue Peg, Pink Peg. I, I feel some of that. I don't like the feel of velvet. It's you don't want to be, you don't want to be sconced in velvet. <laughs> That's right. I do not. 
I do not. But so if you're going to do it, that is the way to do it. And the price of this thing, I I think it was like $35, really, really inexpensive. And so they did it right for what they were trying to accomplish. I just want to upgrade it. So I don't I don't even know if that's a fault of them. In fact, I think it might even be a feature. It gives you the option, hey, if you want to upgrade this, do it. But we're going to get this out to you for a very inexpensive price. So in some ways, I, I part of me wants to see more companies do that, even though I'm a component guy and I will upgrade the components in this game, no doubt. But it's me making that decision and not the company forcing me to do that. So there is the positive in that. Yeah. And I think with that, I think you said the pricing there and the components with their goal being to get this into big box stores like Target, this could be the Christmas game for a lot of people, especially having the two editions like the the family game and the advanced game. Um, yeah, I think that's really, really clever, really smart. Yep. No diggity, no doubt. That is Santa's Workshop second edition. Well, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, we're not quite ready to leave the North Pole. Uh, or Santa's Workshop, because the the next game I'll be talking about that I've played was Final Girl North Pole Nightmare. This is the the new version, one of the new uh, feature films for Final Girl, the solo game, just came out right before Christmas. I think I got my copy a few days before I went out of town uh, to go back to Nashville to visit family, so I had to get it played really fast. But but again, I know we've talked all about Final Girl on here. Uh, you know, the designers, AJ Porfirio, this one's art is by Vincent Dutre. And so I love that. The art is great on this. To see Vincent Dutre draw Mrs. Claus like a Viking warrior is just phenomenal. I, I love that. I love the art on here. So obviously it's published by Van Ryder Games. You're playing as Mrs. Claus or as Cindy the Elf, and you're fighting off Krampus, who has come to wreck shop, as in Santa's workshop. Um, if you want to avoid spoilers in this game, just tune out for the next minute or so. But in this... Um, some of the ways you can play, some of the elves are victims. And when you move into a room with an elf, they cause you to lose time because elves are so annoying. Uh, Both Santa and Krampus leave. And yes, there is a scenario or two with Santa. You have a little Santa meeple. Uh, Both of them leave presents, tokens around the workshop. And so some of them are good, some of them are bad. And so that can really lead to some good bonuses or can really make things very difficult for you. Some of the events that happen in this um, are, or some of the items you can find allude to other well-known Christmas movies. I won't, I won't spoil that, but you can probably imagine. This was one of my favorite Final Girl experiences, was playing this one. It was so much fun. Oftentimes, I kind of get lost in the, either the difficulty or just all the dice chucking and things never really going my way. Uh, but played this once or twice, and I just love everything that is going on in this feature film for Final Girl. Uh, great solo game already. This just raised it up for me. I'll go to this one all the time, every year around Christmas, probably even when it's not Christmas time. It was that much fun. Um, <laughs> I like the look of it. It's hard for me to to <laughs> want to play a game like this around Christmas, but... But it does look cool. You're right. The art is beautiful on it. Yeah. If you like solo games and if you like the the Final Girl horror kind of genre and like dice chucking and trying to manipulate all that kind of stuff, um, this is definitely a, a purchase for sure. That is a Final Girl North Pole Nightmare. 
All right, I'm going to get through these my next two games actually fairly quickly because there's not a whole lot to them. One of them is uh, th- both of these next two are games that I played with Stephen and Kristen, his wife, and my wife. And uh, that's not true. This one is, though. We played all this one, a four-player game. Uh, their son got this game called Skippity for Christmas. And we played it four players. Skippity is a checkers-ish game. Let me. I'm looking at the weight. It's a weight 2.0. That's probably not right, honestly. I think maybe not a lot of people put the weight on here. This is a, this is a one point something for sure. But this game, you are uh, four players are sitting around a chess board, chess ish looking board. I don't know how many squares are on there. Maybe ten. Looks like 10. Yeah, 10 10 by 10 board. And you fill up the board with all these checkers pieces, five different colors. I think it's five. Five or six different colors. Sorry, I need to go back and look at the board. Five colors. And you're filling up the entire board, just randomly putting them out there, except for the center four spaces. And then you are jumping pieces, not diagonally, but orthogonally jumping pieces, And the pieces that you jump, you're going to put into your collection. What you're trying to do is get sets of five. And whoever gets the most sets at the end of the game is going to be the winner. It's pretty cool because when you take your turn, I might jump here but because I really need this color. But at the same time, I'm opening you up to jump three pieces. And that's really going to help you a lot. And then uh, the game ends when you can't make any more moves. So super simple game. I think this was a... This was a fun one, Darren. I thought this was cool. I like those checker style games. The Frog Riders is one that kind of made me think of where that's like the main mechanism is jumping pieces and, and collecting for, uh, you know, for that one, you get different bonuses or different things that react after you you collect those pieces. But this one is just straight up. I'm trying to get a set of these different colors and it's cool. I like it. This is a good kids game, but also a good family game. You could, I mean, I would play this. We were adults. All of us were adults. And had we had time, I would have played it right after that. It was cool. Skippity. I'm guessing you've not played Skippity. I've never even heard of this game until had, Stephen pulled it out. I hadn't either until you put it in the show notes. And I'm shocked to find out that it's not a game about peanut butter. Because it kind of <laughs> kind of sounds like Skippy peanut butter, but no, it, it looks like uh, someone ate a box of Crayola crayons and threw up all over a checkerboard. Uh huh. That is the design of it for sure. <laughs> no, the artist is not. <laughs> the artist is not credited in this one. Uh, publisher, I don't know the publisher. Mindware, maybe um, Go Kids. I'm not sure which one version they had, but I mean. It's a good production for what it is. It's like opening up a checkered board with a bunch of colored pieces. Yeah. No, checkers is classic. I can see how this is fun. Cool. So if you're looking for a game for your family, I think this was I think this was fun. Plays pretty quickly too. I think you can probably play in about 10 minutes. Awesome. Skippity doodah. No, just skippity. <laughs> just called skippity. Um, my next one is a little bit different though. Um also colorful, but in a different way. This was, I believe, a review copy, if I'm not mistaken, from Stonemeyer Games. This was Expeditions, which came out this year, 2023, designed by Jamie Stegmeyer, art by Jakob Rosalski. And I know Dean has talked about this when he's in a video about it. Won't say too much. Uh, this is a sequel to uh, Jamie's classic Scythe. Uh, I had a chance to to play this at three player and played the solo mode, 
and hopefully we'll have played uh, this at two player by the time this recording drops. But just really fun exploration, worker placement, deck building, hand management kind of kind of game. You're moving these giant mechs around, um, exploring tiles, looking for pieces of meteorite. You're go- trying to fulfill quests and upgrade your stuff. Uh, really enjoyed the creepy vibe of this. There's zombies and monsters and other creepy things that are going on here. Uh, really like the exploration of flipping over the tiles and seeing what's there and trying to vanquish some of the corruption that you're going to find when you open these tiles and uh, the action retrieval mechanism and how that works with moving your cube around on the, on the play mat, that deck building hand manager bit. Th- this game really has a lot that I, that I like. The, the terminology, the terminology I found a little confusing when we tried to play it at first and when, you know, teaching it to others, everyone else kind of had the same, same kind of vibe that it's hard to keep up with some of the the cards on the table and, and what they do and what, what's your hand and what's your action row and what do you control and whatnot. But once you get the hang of all that, it is, it is quite, quite enjoyable. Um, the art and iconography are, are great and uh, the gameplay can be super quick and smooth uh, this is one that, again, I enjoyed it. I want to play it more. I'm going to give this one a really hard, solid, high play. Um, I don't know if I go go all like, you know, because when I say purchase, I mean, I feel like most people, you just got to have it, or I definitely have to have it. Expeditions is a high play for me right now. The more I play it, that might move into that purchase category. But uh, but it's really good. It's a lot of fun and uh, enjoyed my time with Expeditions. That's interesting. Real fast, you you said quick playtime. What? How long did it take you? I didn't mean quick playtime. I meant quick turns. The playtime. Oh, oh okay. I'm so, I may have said that. The playtime. I may have misunderstood. Was a you. lot longer than I thought it was going to be. We ended up when we were playing three player, putting it put like a one minute timer on everybody. Like, look, you gotta, we gotta make some quick decisions. It really could be quick and snappy, but unfortunately, when people are trying to read the cards. And seeing what they can do and what their options are, I feel like it, it really slowed down. Obviously, the more you play and people know what they're doing, that's going to speed up. But uh, it did take us a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it has the potential to be super fast, I feel like. Yeah, I'm wanting to say my first game probably took three hours. Uh, yeah, might be I can right. see that. Because it takes yeah. a while because you don't score. The only way you score in this game is by scoring glory. There are certain conditions that have to be met. And so that could be like having eight cards you control or having five map tokens or having melded four uh, meteorites to your mech or upgrading it four times or solving for quests. And some of those things take a while because you got to go out and explore the board and find the stuff and get the resources in order to do it. So your turns can be quick, but that cascading engine can take a little while to get to get going, especially if people are hesitant to go exploring and find all the stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. I agree with that. And and I don't, uh, what was your player count at this? Uh, I've done it solo and done it at three. Looking forward mm-hmm. to playing two. I think that yeah. may be the sweet spot. But I really enjoy the solo mode. If you haven't played the solo mode of this, it's really good. Totally agree with that. I, yeah. uh, all the things you just said. I I, I think it was fine at three, uh, especially once we kind of all got going, even though it took a, a long time. I, beyond three, I, uh, we were supposed to play a four-player game, and I was really glad we didn't do that. I don't think I have a desire to play it at four or five, obviously, but, but it, yep, I agree. This is a good one. I, I except yeah. the thing I don't agree with is I put this in the purchase. I believe, I think is what I landed with on this one. 
Yeah, you were saying it might be better than Scythe for you, which I've never played. I've not played Scythe, so I don't have that comparison to make. But you were really high on it. I don't think it's better than Scythe overall for me. But at two players, I think I I might prefer to play this at two. Definitely, I prefer this at solo. This is a a great solo experience. I totally agree with you on that. Um, But I might prefer this at two because you still get the same feeling, like that same Mm -hmm. tense feeling without the combat and the combat at a two player, I don't think is as good. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like uh, Z Garcia from the dice tower had said the same thing you did like, like side that the higher player count, but prefers this like solo and two player. Ah, uh, I'm, I, I didn't even watch his. And so I don't think I'm copying people, Meeple town, but whatever. You're just the voice <laughs> of the people. That is oh, expeditions. Boy. Excellent. Well, I'm only going to talk about one more. I've got more on my list, but I I spent too much time talking about Santa's Workshop. And so I would do want to be a little quicker through this. Here's another game that you have not heard of. And I don't even know how to pronounce this. I don't think I looked up a pronunciation that was Sky Joe, but it could be uh, maybe uh, Skio, maybe it's S-K-Y-J-O. That's what this one is. This was a... 20 oh i lost it 2015 release from the designer alexander bernhardt and this is a game like golf it's a variant on golf is exactly what this game is you before the show i asked you if you played golf the card game and you said no you have not that is an affirmative on the negatory Excellent. Okay, so in this game, you have a um, you have a three by four grid in front of you, and all the cards are face down. Okay, so uh, yeah, they're all they're all face down except when you first start the game. Then you're going to flip two over, and these are numbered negative two through twelve. You are trying to be the person that has the le- least amount of points at the end of the round, and then um, you keep playing through several rounds until somebody has a uh, hundred points. Yep, until one player has a hundred points, and then whoever has the lowest number wins. After that, uh, it's similar to like hearts. You know, whoever has the lowest number is what you're trying to accomplish. But so what you're doing is you're drawing a card either from the blind pile or you can take a card that somebody discarded and you can choose to put that card into your tableau blindly. So like I can just take one of my face down cards and swap it out with one of the cards that I just drew. And then that card will go into the discard pile. Well, you don't want to do that necessarily because it means if I do that, then I might flip over a negative two, which I did for Steven's father-in-law over and over and over again. We played this four players uh, eight to 10 times that night. I think it was eight times that we played it, but I kept giving him those negative twos, negative ones and zeros. I mean, it was insane. People were very upset with me. (laughs) Or if you don't do that, you can take a card and discard that card, like draw blindly and discard that card. And if you do that, you flip over one of your face down cards. So it's still there. And then you can switch it out later on. So trying to get the, the least amount of points. Now, if you, uh, I mentioned you've got a three by four. And so if you have from top to bottom, one of the columns, if it is all the same number, then you're going to discard all those cards. So I can keep 12s if I, I mean, you can keep 12s anyway. In fact, sometimes you're going to have to, because at the end of the end of the round, you might not be, have flipped over all your cards and you don't know what's there. But if I get a column of all 
the same number, I discard those. And so now that column is a zero, which is pretty sweet. So it's okay to have high cards as long as you're getting the sets like that. That's it. That's the whole game. Again, you're uh, once somebody has flipped over their last card and they're showing all their cards, then you are going to play one more round and then be done with the round. I, I've always loved golf. We played golf growing up with, you know, regular deck of cards. And this is just a, a, uh, a version of that. You play golf with like a, um, a regular deck of cards. So you're not going to have the, oh goodness. It's been a long time since I've played. Actually, maybe you do have some of those negative cards. I can't remember. Maybe a joker. If you played with jokers, they were a negative something. I don't know. That's it. That's the whole game. We played it. Obviously we liked it. I think this is a purchase. Um, hmm. again, you can play with a regular deck of cards, but it is kind of nice to have all the actual values on there. And, um, I'm, I'm guessing if you can find this, it's probably pretty reasonable. It's just, a, you know, I don't know how many cards are in there, but, uh, let's see, you can get it on Amazon for $15 and yep, that is a, it's a purchase. It's a purchase. If you like card games, I do. Another option would be if you, have you played, um, silver? Any of those games, the silver amulet, silver bullet. So I remember when you first asked me if I had played golf before, and I thought I've played some game at some derivative of golf or something like that. I've played like silver on the app many years ago. Oh yeah, and, uh, that was yeah. when I was thinking of. I did not enjoy it, but oh uh, no, but that's, just, that's just me. Like for some reason, those kind of card games just don't click with my brain and my. Um, those good feeling chemicals in there. So <laughs> let, let me tell fan. you, let me, let me, okay, real fast. Cause that was the last game I'm going to talk about, but silver, they did it right. Bezier games crushed this game and they're still making stuff for it. They just announced oh, yeah. a, a new one that that's coming out. Uh, they're up to F. So it's a B, you know, they're going through the alphabet, I guess. Um, they made an app that is solo only for a game that plays much better with more players and it's free. Um, so they give you a taste of what the game's like and you're only playing with the initial set unless they released other things. And it was really well done. I mean, just great. I played the, the, the mess out of that game for sure. Um, but it really gives you a taste if you want to try it. I think if you like the app, you're, it's a no-brainer that you would go out and get the the box set of these, and you can kind of combine those sets and have really cool combinations. There's, it's basically this style with special powers, and I love silver. I thought that was a fantastic game. So I would say both of those are purchases. Once you go down that silver path, you can pick and choose what you want. Some of the sets you might not care about, and I don't, you're not going to miss out because you're you can't use all the cards in all the sets. So, so yeah, check out silver. Now I got to put that in the notes because I did talk about that, but also <laughs> I would check out uh, Sky Joe. I think that was a lot of fun too. Cool. Cool. Well, if you ever throw it on the pile and, and bring it with you, we'll, we'll play sometime. Excellent. Well, the last game I'm going to talk about is another 2023 game that I was excited to get to the table came in. Um, oh, I want to say around a month ago. It was like one I had backed on Kickstarter this was a new one from Elizabeth Hargrave and Jeff Frazier. This is The Fox Experiment, published by Pandasaurus. And you've probably heard about this, but if you haven't, it is based on the Russian experiments on foxes back in the late 1950s to research the domestication of dogs from you know thousands of years ago. And so they would breed some of the friendliest foxes that they found. And 
as they kept breeding and breeding and keep rebreeding the friendliest ones, they started showing traits like dogs, like curly tails and floppy ears and barking in response to humans and spots, particularly on their forehead. So in the game, that's kind of what you're doing. You're drafting parent foxes that have these little trait dice on them. And um, you're drafting them as well as like your turn order. And so that's a really interesting way of doing that. You've got to pick a male, a female, a fox, or your turn order, which will have you some kind of like resource that you can grab. And so you're taking turns, picking one of those three, and eventually you're going to have all three. That part of the game is really fun. And then you're rolling the trait dice that those parent foxes give you. And you're going to record those new traits on these dry erase fox pup cards that you get. And um, once you're done, you know, with doing those things, those foxes will eventually be parents that you'll have the chance to draft later on in the next round. And so as you're recording your traits, you're having the chance to complete the study cards that are going to give you points, as well as gain certain trait tokens that you can use to upgrade your uh, experiments, um, which might give you things like wild dice or the ability to breed more pups or maybe... Uh, give you partnerships with patrons that are going to give you abilities and some different ways to score at the end. It's it's really interesting. The, the game plays pretty fast uh, as far as the actions, but it can slow down a little bit as everyone is breeding multiple pups and you're trying to record all your, all your traits and gather all your tokens and do all that. That can take a little while, but a lot of the game is done simultaneously. So that, that helps. I've heard this described as a roll and write game, and I think that does it a disservice. This is not a roll and write game. This is a Euro game where roll and write is kind of the driving mechanism. Just like the, uh, the, the, the feature game we're about to review here in a minute is a Euro game where card action selection is the driving mechanism. So, so either way, uh, I think it's a good game. I, I play with the Kickstarter edition, so it's got some great ac- acrylic or the Bakelite like foxes and trait tokens and really nice production and the art is beautiful. Uh, for me, the Fox experiment is a purchase. I would put it up there with, with wingspan, you know, and I would actually, if I had to choose the two, I would choose the Fox experiment just because I like how quickly things can escalate rolling the foxes and rolling the dice and drafting those. I like that mechanism more so than the, the grinding of trying to get the food and get the birds and just the theme and the mechanisms speak more to me than Wingspan. So I know Wingspan's the great one and probably will not be dethroned. It's probably her greatest design, but this is a really good one and probably one that I would prefer. It's a purchase for me. Can I have your copy of this game? You can't have it, but I'll be happy to bring it with me um, okay. next time we're in Nashville. I was sad I missed out on this one. I I was paying attention to it and I really wanted it, but there were some other things that I was backing. But uh, okay, if I want to pick this one up at retail, am I missing out on things from it? I think the only thing you're missing out on are might be a few promo cards that are, you know, unnecessary and the, the, the tokens, everything else just comes in cool cardboard, you know, typical punch board stuff. I think it's just the, the wooden meeples, the wooden foxes are really cool. And in some ways I would be totally okay if I just had those as opposed to the acrylic or the Bakelite ones, the wooden foxes are, are awesome. Mm-hmm. It would just be the, the, the tokens upgrade is really the only thing you're missing with uh, the retail edition as far Mm. as I can remember. So yeah, it's worth it. I'd pick it up. The pricing is pretty good on this too. It looks fantastic. It looks great. And I'm hearing so many good things about it. I, I got the FOMO Darren and it's kind of in that, (laughs) it's in that weight. It says 2.37 weight on BGG. Now some of that 
you know, it fluctuates as the game gets in more people's hands. But do you feel, right. feel like that's pretty right? Pretty, pretty midweight, maybe light to midweight? Um, yeah, I, again, I think the, the tough decisions are just going to be, you know, what do I, what do I upgrade? What's the best way for me to, to get this thing going? Um, it's not complicated what you're doing, but you do have some, some interesting decisions that you'll have to make. Um, so yeah, I'd say medium. I don't know if I'd say medium light, but I'd say medium. Okay. Okay, excellent. Well, I really want to check that one out. That's the games we've been playing lately. That was Fox Experiment. And let's talk about our review, kind of, of Septima. All right, residents of Meepletown, we are ready to review the game Septima. This is designed by Robin Hedgedus. And with the solo version by David Chertsey, and the art is by Vilu Farkash. Uh, this is published by Mind Clash Games. It is a one-to-four-player game that plays roughly 25 minutes per player. In the game, you are playing as a leader of witch covens, competing to be the new high witch, or Septima. And whoever has the most wisdom at the end of the game wins. There's a basic game, and there is a full game. We'll be talking primarily about the full game, because that's what Dean and I played when we were together. Everyone at the beginning of the game starts with two witch tiles that have special abilities on their player mat. And at some, you'll also have some starting resources. You will have a divination card that's going to give you your very own game in scoring goals. And you will be playing over the course of one year. And so there are four rounds or seasons you'll be going through. And at the beginning of each season, everyone will simultaneously select an action card and play it, keeping it face down. You can even discuss what you're playing or what you want others to play, but you do not have to be truthful. Then everyone will simultaneously reveal the card. And if you match with another player or with the Septima, because she also has some action tokens that will change every round. If you match, you will receive a bonus action on that card, but it will also raise your suspicion. More on that later. Once everyone reveals their card, people will take their turns in order. And some of the actions you can take are like collecting resources that are adjacent to your leader pond that are out on the board. Uh, you can move your leader and potentially collect resources. You can brew potions, some of which will let you lower your suspicion or fly to any space on the board. And there's a bunch of other things it can do. Uh, some of the potions will also let you heal patients, which is uh, another action you can take. You can heal patients that are going to be placed out on the board at random. And when you heal patients, they will reward you with bonuses. But any patients that aren't healed at the end of the round will become angry citizens later, which can be problematic. Um, some other actions you can take, you can move up a ritual track. Uh, if you're playing the full game, there's this ritual track, ritual. Why can't I say that, Dean? Ritual track. No, you nailed it. You nailed <laughs> First that. try. Um, that will give you spells. Uh, that will give you some cool powers and some other extra ways you can score. You can also recruit some of your loyal citizen meeples and send them to the crowd that will eventually make up the trial jurors, 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 jurors is a weird word. How do you say that? <laughs> jurors. Jurors. I think jurors. And you can send, you can send some of your loyal citizens from the crowd directly into the trial chamber, because what's the game about witches without witch trials. And so once everyone has taken their turns, uh, those whose actions raise their suspicion will roll dice to see if the witch hunter meeples are going to come after them and catch them. And if they do, 
catch you, then one of your witches will have to stand trial. And when it's trial time, all the player meeples from the crowd area go into the bag, along with a number of red angry meeples. Uh, those angry citizens get ticked off at these suspicious witches, and they go into the bag. And then um, that's going to be based on uh, everyone's suspicion level or, again, any kind of unhealed patients. And then you're just blindly drawing out these citizen meeples from the bag and putting them on the trial slots on the board. And if one of the player's meeples have the majority of slots, then the witch survives and can be added to that player's coven board. Uh, they'll also gain some wisdom points for that. But if the angry citizens have the majority, the witch is exiled and banished from the game. Because that's what you do with witches. You you banish them, right? Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, it's a Euro game, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you don't burn them. You, you banish them. And then you will do this for four seasons. Whoever has the game the most wisdom by the end will win. There's a little more going on, but basically that's how you play Septima. All right. Ooh. Yeah. Nailed it. Now let's talk about the, by the way, as a disclaimer, I said this is kind of a review. That's because I have only played this once. And so I'm not going to give a full score on this one. I'm just going to give my first impressions on it. So Darren, Darren's is more like a review. Mine's more like, first impressions. And by like first impressions, I mean it is my first impression <laughs> of, of the game. So let's talk about the art and components in this one, Darren. I feel like the production of this is outstanding. Now, granted, I, I backed this, um, I think it was on Kickstarter, yes. And, the, and they only did the deluxe edition on Kickstarter. You had some upgrades you can get, like the they had metal coins for the wisdom to keep track of. That was an add-on. Um, but everything else is deluxe. There's game trays in there um, from game trays that help you organize like the potions and all that. The The production physicalness of it is amazing. The The art is outstanding. The tarot cards that it comes with, because obviously you're going to play with tarot cards in a game about witches. That is just beautiful. The wood screened or that the silk screen wood tokens for everything. Ah, amazing. What'd you think about the art? Yep. I felt the same way. I thought it was, I thought it was really well done there. I don't, I'm trying to think looking at the production. I can't, nothing comes to mind of anything that I had problems with that I can remember. Um, yeah, the, the component trays, the, uh, where you get the potions that is really cool. It's like, uh, this plastic insert, but it doesn't really look like a plastic insert because it has like an overlay on it that looks like a cauldron. And so you take those pieces that are flush with the top. It's like the thing, the cardboard pieces you have to push down on one side for them to pop up. Mm -hmm. You take those. That's really cool. It's a nice touch. Not dual layer boards, but I don't care in this one. I don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I guess if that, if that could be a, not a complaint, it might be a, a, desire of somebody's but i didn't have that problem yeah with the board because all that's going on there are your witch tiles which are huge and it's not a big yeah. deal if they get moved around and you're you have a resource area on your board but again you're not keeping track of anything there's just an area kind of set aside for them to be there um mm -hmm. but it is I was a mostly thinking the tracks but but other than but it's not necessary i was just trying to come up with something that i yeah. didn't like and i failed now, if I had if I had something that I didn't like, you don't have to be so negative, Dean. If I had something that I didn't like, um, I would say, uh, so these are maybe some, some niggly negatives. I love the art and everything on the board, but the board can be a little busy at first. It's not, 
Mind Clash says this is their most a- approachable game. And from a gameplay standpoint, I've not played all the Mind Clash games. I've played Tracarion and Anachrony. Yes, this is more uh, accessible in, from a mechanistic standpoint. And we'll talk about that in the gameplay here in just a second. But from a, a art and production standpoint, the, the iconography is not the most intuitive. Like every time I taught this game, someone would say, oh, I assume this icon means this. And I would have to say, uh, no, actually, that means this. Like th- that would happen several times, especially with the witch tiles, because some of the icons are really familiar or they they look like they would be familiar to what you might see in other games, but they don't do what you expect them to do. And mm-hmm. so some of the and some of the stuff on the board can be a little busy. It's beautiful, but it can be a little busy, and that makes it hard to remember. Again, just when you're first learning to play, it can make it easy to forget like if you're playing the full game, that there's, oh, there's buildings out here on the board that will give me special actions if I take this particular action next to it. Or, hey, if I go to this crystal cavern over here, I can get a crystal, which is a wild resource. But the way the board is laid out and all this stuff going on, it's easy to not see those things and forget about them your first play or two. Not a Mm -hmm. big deal, but just not as intuitive to be um, an accessible game. But it is a mind clash game, so I guess maybe that's to be expected. They do typically do things a little, a little heavier and tricky. Yep. As you were talking, the thing that came out with, that I remembered was the, was the busyness of the board and the specifically exactly what you said, those crystal caverns, because they're on the outside of the board, you might forget about them, even mm. though, you know, there's also some benefits of not being out that far from town, but then in town, the buildings, you, you, it, I didn't forget about them because I had a special power that was directly related to the buildings, but I could see you forgetting about that. It looks like decor, you know, like a, like a decoration just on the edges of the board, but they're kind of there to draw you out to get those resources because that's where the witch hunters are going to start. And so there's kind of balancing that tension of what do I do and where do I go? Yeah, that's kind of getting into some of the gameplay part of it, which I guess we can start talking about. But one last thing about the art is I will say this is, or the production of it, it is a table hog. If you've got more than one player, if you're playing the full game, um, I'm sorry, more than two players, is we played it four and it took up a normal size table, like a dining room table. And we didn't have enough room because mm. the cauldron tray and the, the ritual board on the side of the board, everybody's player mats and the stuff that you've got, things everywhere. We were really scrunched and kind of makeshifting mm-hmm. To make it happen. So it, again, may not be a problem for, for some people, but if you have a confined space to play in, that's going to be tricky with more than two people. Overall, it really is a beautiful, beautiful production. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention the art, but I like the, I like the art. So yep. it is some of my favorite of the mind clash games and their art. How did you think some of that came through as we kind of look at some of the gameplay and, um, how some of the art and the production came through in the gameplay, particularly thematically, considering this is, like we said, a Euro game. Um, how did you feel it pulled it off thematically? Well, I don't know if the art and components help with that necessarily, but I did. I do think that for is you know, Mind Clash approachable is not like uh, Days of Wonder approachable, right? Um, it's <laughs> it's still still got some thinkiness pieces, and so it is a Euro. But I would I would put this in the like anachrony. I would put this in the thematic euro, honestly. And so I don't know how much of the art and components pull that out as much as like the the mechanisms do. Part of it is the traveling around and collecting resources and spending those resources to build potions that are to buy potions, make potions 
there we go, make potions that help you do certain things. I think all that feels kind of thematic, as thematic as you can be in this, building up your your uh, coven and the uh, the different actions that they, or the different abilities that they help you with. I do think that feels thematic. And then making sure that you're like saving them, you know, trying to help them out so that they can help you out. So again, I don't know how much the art and components are, you know, lend to the, it, it feeling thematic, but, but it does for me feel, feel like a thematic Euro. Yeah. I'm sure the art and components don't hurt in any way. Yeah. I would, I would agree. I like what they're trying to do here from a Euro mechanism kind of standpoint, the, the narrative that kind of emerges with what's going on, you know, you're trying to be the, the, the new Septimus, you're trying to gain the most wisdom and you're doing that by, uh, you know, practicing rituals and spells and and healing people in town. I'm glad this is not like we're trying to do harm to people in town, but you're actually trying to help the people. And then you kind of win them over in a sense because they realize, you know, the good that you're trying to do. And uh, that whole aspect of it is neat how the unhealed patients, you know, become angry. But then once you heal them, you know, they lose their anger. So some of that is is there. I like the the, the phases of the round are coinciding with the phases of the moon and your suspicion increases when, uh, when you match with someone else. Cause again, maybe there's more suspicious activity going on. It's more noticeable. The, the freed witches can join your, your coven, uh, the, the ingredients changing with the seasons, because you have this at the beginning of the round or the beginning of the game, you're going to kind of seed randomly your ingredients around the moon phase track. And so depending on what phase the moon is in, will determine like what ingredients are kind of in season. And so that whole little, little things like that, I think really go a long way to kind of create the world that you're playing this, this Euro game in. I think that's, that's really cool. It's neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. So I'm going to move into, if it's all right with you, uh, just some, some gameplay thoughts again, mine taken with a grain of salt if you want, because it is a don't actually, I have good thoughts, but (laughs) But it is a, a first impression of the games and some of the things I like. There's there's two things that I really wanted to hone in on, Darren, that that are are two of my favorite things from this game. One of them is the the ritual track, um, where you you have to think about like the actions that you're taking as they pertain to my action and your action or my action versus the the board. So I get the extra action, but also gain the extra suspicion. But beyond that, moving up the ritual track from that is really interesting. Now, you know how I feel about moving up on tracks. This game is no exception. I really, and that's what I did, right? I mean, I, I, that's what I spent most of my time on. Maybe not most, but a lot of my time was trying to build up, moving along that track to get the the point bonuses at the end of the game. And I didn't quite reach all the way. I think I was one space away from being able to get max points there. Uh, but I really enjoyed doing that. And that was something that I I felt like I I spent most of my time, maybe too much time trying to move up on that ritual track. Well, I don't know if it was too much time. I mean, you did win. But uh, the ritual track was something, at least from the first play, I didn't pay enough attention to. Uh, but, but yeah, like that, that ritual card barely came out of my hand, you know, to play to move up the track. Cause it's tricky too, because the only way you can move up the track is when you match with someone with the exact, uh, icon or type of card that is above your marker on the ritual track. Mm-hmm. That's one of the only ways you can move up unless there's some other ability or spell that will let you do that in addition to. So it, yeah, so it takes a little 
forethought and maybe even a little luck for that to kind of match up with some people. But again, that's where some of that negotiation kind of comes into if you're talking to people about what card to play. So yeah, it's really interesting. I, I can see why they put that into the full game, you know, because that does add another level of, of thinking. Also the other uh, track that's on your player board, the, uh, I forget what those, that track is called, but those three different things that you're moving up. And as you're moving all three of them up, you're going to get points. And I, I feel like at the end of the game that you and I played, I, and I'm pretty sure we both said this, we wish we would have spent a little bit more time trying to focus on that because that probably would have been more beneficial. For me, I think it would have been more beneficial than focusing so much on the ritual track. I think I could have uh, got some extra points. I think I left some points on the table because of that. Yeah, the, the track you're talking about is that like when you heal the patients. Yes. And those are those three types of patients out there. And as you heal them on the board, you're going to move up that track. And each time you do, out of the gratitude of their hearts, the citizens are giving you these bonuses. And so there's some really nice bonuses you can gain as you move up immediately. But yeah, there's also lots of points to be had there if you can move up them kind of simultaneously for like every, every row uh, that all of your markers have moved up, you get like six points. Uh, for for each one or something. So you can really rack up some points if you're keeping those balanced and keep moving up those rows. Yeah. And it's a good, um, it's a good addition to one, help you through the game and get you what you need, but also can really mount up some, some scoring there at the end. And again, as that level of, of thinking as you're going through trying to decide. Yeah. That, yeah. For, for me, the, what, the star of the show again is those cards. I love the action selection cards. Any game that has that, I'm going to be a huge fan. You know, you've got cards that help you remember cards from your discard pile. You know, you've got cards, you know, that'll, that'll bring all this, you know, some of the stuff back to your hand. Um, the negotiation around trying to match certain people or trying to not match certain people because you don't want your suspicion to go up. To me, that was the most um, exciting part of, of the game. That's a, um, that's a blast. Yeah, I I agree with that, and and it's punishing. It can be punishing <laughs> to move up too much on that on that suspicion track. Which I mean that in a good way. Sometimes, it, you know, some games it's like you don't want this thing to happen because this small thing will happen, and it's like okay, well, it's okay. Maybe I won't feed my workers this time. It's not the end of the world. This, if you get caught by one of those hunters you can lose one of your characters and that can be a huge, huge deal. Right. And it was in our game, right? Yeah. And if you don't have an extra witch to lose, like you'll always have at least one on your board, but if you don't have, mm -hmm. if you don't have any extras to lose, you lose five wisdom or you leave as much wisdom as you can. Well, that's how you win the game. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's really punishing to get caught. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really, and it's not easy to gain those to gain those witches back it's it, um you, you have to you have to work for that too that's that's the i guess in this game you have to work for things you have to work to make sure you're not super suspicious um or or at very least work so that you're moving around the board enough so that you're staying away from the hunters and and i i found myself doing that a lot like if i'm not in the same zone now if you're not in the same zone and they're supposed to come after you they're going to move to your zone so then you need to move somewhere else later on so you're you're constantly moving away from them. You got to work from for that. You have to work to be able to get those, whatever they're the the townspeople. What are what are those? Yeah, your loyal called? citizens. Your loyal citizens. You have to work to do that. And if you don't, uh, even if you do, even if you work really hard, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get them. But 
I think it was really valuable to be able to do that. And so I spent a lot of effort putting some of those uh, loyal, loyal folks into the bag. And, uh, I, but I, I felt when something does happen that you want it to, you feel really accomplished because you know, I actually did a lot to be able to get to this point. Yeah. Trying to get your, your loyal citizens into the crowd can sometimes be, be tricky. I mean, you want to do that because you want to be able to have some majority in the, um, in the trial chambers, not just to try to win some witches and gain some wisdom, but also the more, the more people you have in the crowd, when the trial is over, the more perks and extra bonuses you can get. But that gets really hard to win some trials and get some of those uh, wisdom and bonuses when some people's goal, like in our four-player game, someone, their their book of divination card, which gave them their own specific in-game goals to score points. Uh, and by the way, on those cards, you can only score as many goals as you have witches on your player board. So if you finish the game with one witch, you've only got one chance to score one of those in-game goals. So you're, that's another reason why you want to win witches. And sometimes that can be, or save witches. You know, they're not objects to be won. They're people to be saved. But that's, and one of her in-game goals was to have seven suspicion at the end of the game. Well, if they're driving up suspicion the whole game, that means there's a bunch of angry citizens in the crowd every time. And so it's a hard mm-hmm. to to get some of your stuff done because someone else is is fighting against you in a way because that will score them points. And so again, not that that's a negative, but that can be a concern sometimes when you're trying to figure out what to do and, and how to play. That can be that can be frustrating. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree with all that. How all of that just works together. You know, it's it's yeah. pretty cool. Like every piece of this game seems to affect other areas of the game. And so you have to have some sort of a balance in there. Not that you can't neglect areas. You neglected the ritual track and did just fine. You get a lot of a lot more points during the game, if I remember right. You get a lot of points during the game. Whereas I was really lagging behind there for a while. Um but just kind of set myself a little bit more up for the end game. But um but yeah that's that's all all of that. But but the player powers that you get can be potentially really powerful. And so if I have more powers than you do, obviously I'm at a significant advantage if there are powers that are benefiting me. You you do have to take advantage of them. Yeah, you can't neglect those witch powers. Again, another reason to save some of those witches. I we've not had a there witch are a powers? ton of <laughs> the witch powers. <laughs> there are a ton of witch tiles in there. And so we've not played with half I feel like I haven't seen half of them yet. So that I don't know how powerful some of them are, but I know some of them are quite quite beneficial. So, so having that on your side is, is really good. And and so one of the things, again, we're talking about this being a Euro, one of the, one of the slight negative, um, not not a negative. One of the, one of the concerns one might have is I know a lot of people don't like lots of chance in their Euro games. The bag building element for those trials can be somewhat problematic because it is just pulling meeples out of the bag. You really don't have a control. You can have the majority of meeples in that bag, but they still not be maybe there may not be pulled out in your favor. So there's just that. So maybe that's thematic because you don't know how people are going to vote on a jury. Part of me wishes there was a way you could still sway the jurors. Like I want that to be part of the narrative the game tells, uh, as opposed to just trying to get your people in there. I want to be able to dissuade jurors, but maybe that changes the game too much. Um, but, but that bag pulling mechanism can be frustrating because you just, like whatever comes out, comes out. And that's just how it is. So if, if that kind of thing bothers you, that that might bother you. Here's what I think. If you really are that bothered by it, I, I, I would not house rule this. 
But if I were to house rule it, I would probably, instead of putting them in the bag, just put them directly onto the track. If it bothered you that much, if the chance of pulling up, and now I, I think you're missing out on a ton because I, I think that's an element of it. Because again, you have to manage the angry, the angry, I keep saying town folks, um, the it's angry the, citizens that mm-hmm. are on the board. Um, you have to manage that. That's a part of the game. So I don't think that's the right way to go. But if you're like, there's no way I'll ever play this game because of the chance of drawing <laughs> those out. And okay, then maybe you could house rule it in a way where you, whoever gets the most, you just get it without even paying attention to the angry citizens. But you're missing out if you do that. Yeah. And and, and that would kind of favor whoever did it first. You know, then it becomes more of a race than, um, yeah, you know, a race type game. So yeah, it, it would change the game. I would, I would assume, but again, I'm just way. pointing that out. Yeah. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, so if, if that's a concern for you, but uh, it does add that level of suspense when you're pulling stuff out and there was lots of, Oh, are you kidding? Going on around the table. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's similar to something like um, dinosaur Island maybe, but uh, I think hmm. that is a more frustrating experience for people than what this is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I think you can, well, I say this, I had all of my citizens in the bag and still lost, but it is what it is. And especially yeah. if you have two characters out there, then that really changes it because then it's, um, you know, you have a better op- opportunity to be able to get your meeples drawn out of the bag uh, to at least win one of those. So yeah, there's that. I don't, I don't have anything else on, on that. I don't have a, a lot of like n- negative or, or things that really bugged me a lot. Um, it, it again it is a, a quote unquote approachable game. I I still think it's heavier, even though I I don't think it's as heavy as Anachrony. Uh, those are the only two I've played of theirs, but but it's it's approachable is a relative term here, and <laughs> right, yeah, it is. It's easy. Like what you're doing is simple, but there's still lots to keep up with and manage if you want to do well. So I, again, I don't have a score for this. Um, just my initial thoughts. I thought this was fun. I really enjoyed this one. Um, now if I'm just thinking about it, since it's my first play, it would, you know, play pass purchase, I'd be in the play category. Part of it for me, you know, when you play back-to-back games and one of them just really sticks with you, um, we played this back-to-back with Nova Roma Nova Roma is one that I've been thinking a lot about. I really want that game. And so it put Septima at a bit of a disadvantage, I think, even though I think it totally different games has nothing to do with like, you know, comparing these at all. It's just the timing of, of when I played them. I liked Septima less maybe because of that, but I still really enjoyed my play of this one. And it made me like, like my play first play of Anachrony, it made me think about it and want to play it again, knowing that, okay, I can do better now that I've got some of these things figured out. So that's, that's where it left me. I'd love to play this one again. I just don't think it's going to be one that I need to purchase. That's fair. Yeah. I feel like when we played those two Nova Roma, you could tell like really kind of made your eyes sparkle a little bit more that it felt like you're kind of, you're kind of filled in game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, then I, I will give a, a little bit of more final thought and score. I, I do love the action selection mechanism. Like, I, like I said, I love that matching suspicion track combination that, that goes on there and what you're trying to consider. And 
some games you're going to do more talking and negotiating than in others. I feel like you and I probably talked more about some of that than I did in the four player play I had of, of this. Um, but yeah, so, so that can vary kind of depending on your, on your group. And the rule book says to start with the basic game. And again, the basic game uh, does not have the ritual track and does not have the extra buildings you put out that you can get special powers for. Everything else is kind of the same, except maybe you draft for witches in the full game as well. I would kind of agree with what, what I hear most other people are saying is that playing the basic game might be good if you're playing with like people that don't game regularly. But if that's the case, I'm not sure this is the game you would bring out anyway. <laughs> If you're playing with people that game regularly, you might lose them with just the base game because then you're playing the cards, you're moving your person around, collecting the resources and putting your meeples in the bag, which can be fine. But when you add that level of the buildings and those extra actions and you add the, the ritual track to move up, I think that's the game as it's meant to be played. And we didn't even talk about uh, one of the expansions that comes in the game that's optional to play with which uh, the omens module, which, or expansion, which gives you some different round events that happen, both good and bad, depending on what happens in the round before. And you also have the shape-shifting expansion where you can have an, an animal that you can change your leader into, which changes the rules a little bit about hunters can't hunt you when you're the animal and your actions are more limited. So having that thrown in is really interesting as well. And I do recommend that once you've played it a few times at the full game level. Um, it can be a lot to keep up with, but I really feel like the juice is worth the squeeze. Um, I do, th- I've also played this solo. Uh, and this is, to me, this is one of my um, favorite Tertsy solo designs. He did this one. It adds these spiders. <laughs> He's like Black Widow looking spiders. It almost kind of reminds you of the spider from uh, Lord of the Rings. Uh, or, or the Hobbit movies, you know, either one of those, these spiders sort of act as a third player that can come out and not just block spots and take them away from you, but also attack you and take your wisdom from you. And so they have these negative effects. And so playing that and the ease to it, again, a little bit to go through at the beginning, but once you've gone through it, it plays really smooth. I enjoy it. Uh, I do feel like it's an, it's an accessible game uh, once you've gotten through it once or twice. I do love the action selection. I will play this multiple times and I think it may even go up, but I'm going to give it an eight right now. I'm coming at eight. It's a great game. I'm going to play it. I'm going to recommend it. Um, it, I don't, I don't know if it's my favorite mind clash game yet, but it could be. I, I again, I, th- I think the card play is what really sells me on it and the theme. Love the theme. Yeah. I'd really like to play, um, uh, Tricarion. I've had a couple opportunities to purchase this, but never a chance to play it. I'd want to play it before I do that. But I like how they they do incorporate theme into their games well. Tricarion seems like it would be that that same way. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that one, but but yeah, I, I agree with you on this one. So that's an eight from Darren. That is a play for me because I'm not giving a number rating on this one, but but definitely worth the play. And especially if you do like thematic euros if you like things that are a little bit heavier even though this is on the approachable side of of their games so that's going to do it for episode 157 if you'd like to get in touch with us definitely reach out to us through all of our social media channels at Town games you can connect with us on our discord on our board game geek guild number 3407 and we all appreciate all of our patreon supporters and buy me a coffee supporters so thank you for helping to support the show we have all of that information in the show notes if you're interested in 
supporting us financially. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Hey, Dean. Hey, Darren. How do snowmen read their texts? How? With an icy stare.